Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. My name is David, and I serve here at Trinity as lead pastor. And uh, we are, as a church, reading through the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts over the next 40 days. And we're a week in, and as Josh said, it's not too late to join in. We're just a few chapters in. You can easily catch up or just jump right in wherever we are at. One of the things that really jumped out to me as we read the first few chapters of Luke was the role of the Holy Spirit in preparing Jesus for the work that the Father had sent him to do. And it's so important that we see the way in which the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit work together for our good and for their glory. And, and right, right off the bat, you know, when Jesus is baptized in the River Jordan by his cousin John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove or appears as a dove or in the, in the way that a dove would descend, descends upon Jesus Christ. And in the very next chapter, it says that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights and did not sin. And then after he overcomes the temptation, he leaves from the wilderness and it says that Jesus, in the power of the Spirit, walks into Nazareth, his hometown, and he opens up the scriptures in the synagogue and it's the prophet Isaiah. And the very first thing he reads is, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. You have to be a little bit obtuse to not see the work of the Holy Spirit in guiding and leading Jesus into his season of ministry, which would eventually lead him to the cross. And I was struck with this thought this week as we were reading, is that if the Holy Spirit needed to be that much a part of the life of Jesus, the Son of God, how much more do you and I need the Holy Spirit? We cannot live the life that God has called us to live. We will not be formed into the people that God is trying to form us into without the Holy Spirit. And that's why I'm so excited to start this four-week series on the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do. But this morning, our message is simply entitled, The Spirit Speaks. We believe that, as we sing this morning, our God is still moving, he's still working, and he is still speaking. And Jesus, towards the end of his life, uh, he begins to talk more and more about the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14 and in John chapter 16 especially, we have a lot of Jesus' own words about the Holy Spirit. I want to bring you to two passages just to see what Jesus said. John chapter 14, Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The Holy Spirit will teach us all things. And implicit or implied there is that the Holy Spirit speaks. And if that's not clear enough, two chapters later in John 16, 13, Jesus, still talking about the Holy Spirit, says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. The Spirit speaks what the Father is saying. He speaks on behalf of the Son. The Holy Spirit is really always deferring attention to the Son. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And so this morning, we're talking about this truth that the Holy Spirit speaks. Today's message is going to be a little different than most weeks, because most weeks I like to get one scripture text and just kind of stay in it for the entire message. But this morning is going to be a little more of a teaching, because I want to show you from scripture the five ways that the Spirit speaks to us. And this is not exclusive or exhaustive, but hopefully so will be helpful. And for you, this will be an opportunity to say, have I experienced the Holy Spirit in this way? Do I listen to the Holy Spirit this way? I just want to say up front, the problem is not that the Holy Spirit isn't speaking. The problem is that we are often not listening. <laughs> We're very distracted. We're very good at filling our lives up with lots of other noises and lots of other voices. The Spirit was speaking in very specific ways this morning to all of us. And the question is, were we present in a way that we could hear 
and respond. And so I'm going to be jumping around the Bible a little more than I normally do, and I hope that's going to be all right, but I guess you don't have a choice because you're here and you're going with me. Uh, Five ways the Holy Spirit speaks. The first thing is that the Spirit speaks through Scripture that leads us to know Christ through Scripture. Listen, the Holy Spirit loves to speak to us through the Bible. In fact, I would say this is the primary way that the Holy Spirit speaks to his people, through Scripture. In 2 in Second Timothy chapter 3, Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's reminding him about the sacredness of Scripture. And he says in this famous passage, all Scripture. Of course, Paul here is writing about the Old Testament Scripture at this time because the New Testament canon doesn't exist yet. So he's talking about the law and the prophets. But this includes the New Testament. All Scripture is breathed out by God. I love the imagery of God breathing out the word of God that we have in written form. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, which means sometimes the word of God will offend you and bother you and step on your toes, for correction, for training and righteousness, that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So we see here what scripture, where it comes from, what it's profitable for, and what the outcome of scripture is. But what I want you to notice is this phrase that all scripture is breathed out by God. It it is a direct reference to the Holy Spirit's work in inspiring the writing of scripture. And the Holy Spirit loves to use scripture to speak to his people. Years ago, I had the opportunity to write a book called The Word and the Spirit. And in that book, I said, choosing between the word and the spirit is like choosing between breathing in and breathing out. It doesn't work. You can't live. You need both. And the Holy Spirit loves to use scripture to teach us of his ways and to lead us to know Jesus more. Every now and then, um, there's a TV show that has a controversial or confusing ending. I could name some, but you probably can think of some of your own, where the final episode leaves you going, what? What does that mean? What happened? How come it went to black and I didn't get to see the rest of the story? Or how come, you know, whatever. You just, you're, and, and so if you're like me, as soon as your series ends, you jump online. And you're like, you're looking for the ending to be explained. And, and a lot of people have theories about the endings of shows and why things finished the way they did. But my favorite thing is when the actual writer of the show chimes in. Because when the writer of the show chimes in, then you know, like, this is the real deal. Like, this was the intent of the author, and so now I know why that ending finished the way it did and what was significant about this, that, and the other. Here's what I love about opening Scripture and reading it. The author of Scripture is present with you when you read it. The same Holy Spirit that inspired the writing of the Scriptures over the course of thousands of years, when you open up the Bible, that same Holy Spirit is there present with you to illuminate the meaning of Scripture to your heart. The Spirit loves to speak to us through the Word. The early church believed that the Holy Spirit spoke to them through the Old Testament Scriptures. If you read Jesus' words and Paul and Peter and James, they quoted the Old Testament. They memorized the Old Testament. They taught from it. They encouraged each other with it. They saw the prophecies from the Old Testament being fulfilled in their lifetime. Let me give you one quick example. Paul is in Rome, and he's trying to convince, convince the Jewish leaders in Rome to believe in Jesus. And we're not going to look at his whole sermon, but he says in, in Acts 28, 25, disagreeing among themselves, they, just, they departed after Paul made one statement. Here's what Paul said. I'm just going to see the first part of it. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet. Well, what is Paul showing us there? That Paul believed that the Holy Spirit was the one who was speaking through Isaiah the prophet. And that is the written word that they had before them from the prophet Isaiah. So they believed that the word of God was inspired by the Holy Spirit. 
Listen, Christians who claim to love the Holy Spirit should love the Word of God. Christians are like, I'm full of the Holy Spirit, and I love the Holy Spirit, and I love the way the Holy Spirit moves. Well, if you love the Holy Spirit, but you don't love the Word of God, there's a disconnect. There's a problem. And we have to be careful, because sometimes the Holy Spirit is sensational in ways that the Word of God doesn't always seem. And so sometimes we actually have, I've been around Christians who I think they are more interested in words outside of the Scripture than they are of the words in the Scripture. They get more energy and excitement about receiving a prophetic word than they do about opening up their Bibles and reading it. And I'm for both. But it's dangerous when you want a prophetic word more than you want to open the scriptures and read. You know, there's an old saying, don't say God is silent when your Bible is closed. God has spoken, and he's spoken through his word, and the Holy Spirit loves to use the scriptures. We need to be in the word, not just to read it or check it off because we've done it and we feel good about ourselves, but to study it and meditate upon it. Acts 17.11, we meet the Bereans, who when Paul taught them, they didn't just take what Paul said at face value. They looked at scripture themselves, and they examined the word to test Paul's teaching. You should do that when you're listening to me, when you're watching some preacher on YouTube. Test it according to God's word. Don't just believe every preacher that's online, please. First uh, Timothy 4.16, pay close attention to your life and to your doctrine, Paul said to the young pastor Timothy. And then he said to him in the next book or next letter he wrote, study to show yourself approved. So we need to be in God's word because through the scriptures, the Holy Spirit speaks to us in a way that leads us to know Christ. I want to give you two uh, helpful things if, if you study scripture and you struggle with knowing how to study scripture, okay? Here are two study questions that are so important you need to ask every time you read scripture, and, and this, is, this helps me. This is when I go to scripture to prepare for a sermon, I start with these two questions. Number one, what did this passage mean then and there? So what did it mean to the original audience? What truth did it communicate? And then only after you have a sense of the answer to that question should you move to the second question, which is this. What does this mean here and now? And some of the errors that we might make in interpreting scripture is by jumping to the second question too fast. What does this mean here and now? And we forget, no, this had an original audience and an original purpose and an original meaning. We need to answer that question, and you need to, if you have a good study Bible, that will help you. And then we can answer the question, what does it mean here and now? And then once we feel like we have that truth, here's two more application questions to ask ourselves. And again, the order matters. Number one, what does this passage reveal about the person and work of God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit? Always, it's the best question to start with. What does this passage reveal about who God is? Then, and only then, go to the second question, which is this. What does this passage reveal about me? So a lot of times, we want to skip the first question. We just want to go and get something for ourselves. But again, that's going to lead to error in interpretation and application. We start with, what does this reveal to us about the nature and character and work of God? And then, once we see who God is, we can see who we are. So, and, here's the great news, when you ask those questions, you know who is there to help you? The Holy Spirit, helping you. All right, so, through Scripture, that leads us to know Christ. The second way that the Holy Spirit speaks to us is through promptings that lead us to live like Christ. I wish the Bible had something to say about every day of my life, every moment, every decision. Wouldn't it be nice if you just flipped to February, what is today, the 27th or whatever today is. Wouldn't it be nice to just flip to February 27th in the Bible and be like, all right, David, you should uh, do this and do that and wear that to church and eat that for lunch and, and watch this game and don't watch this game because they're going to lose and you're going to get angry, right? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be so nice if, if the scriptures worked that way? But, of course, they don't work that way. 
They speak in very general, important ways to our lives, but they don't lead us and guide us through every decision. So how can the Holy Spirit help us, in, help us in those moments? And this is what I call promptings. And you've probably experienced this, where, where it's like a, maybe the best way to describe it, it's like an inside nudge. You get just like a nudge in your heart to go speak to that person. Don't do that. Go this direction. And the Holy Spirit likes to lead us and prompt us. And sometimes it's not always as overtly obvious as Scripture or a prophetic word or somebody saying this is what you should do and this is what you not, should not do. Many of the decisions that we make are not right or wrong. They're more decisions of wisdom and decisions of preference. And so what do we do in those moments? Holy Spirit, prompt me. Lead me. And it's actually an interesting example of this. In Acts 15, the early church is making a really important decision, actually, about what sort of um, regulations they're going to lay on the shoulders of the Gentile believers. So the Jewish leaders are discussing, what are we going to require of the Gentiles to be a part of our new family, this kingdom that God is building? And they have a long conversation about it. But then this verse, Acts 15, 28, has always jumped out at me. It says, for it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. And then they go on to explain some of the things that would be expected of the Gentiles. But what I find so interesting about this verse is this phrase, it seemed good. It's not like really the strongest language, is it? It's kind of soft. It's like, what do you mean it seemed good? This is a really big decision. Like, literally, the rest of Gentile believers from that time forward is going to rest upon this decision. And yet, while there wasn't a scripture in the Old Testament that spoke directly to the decision that they were making, by their overall understanding of God's heart for the nations, even expressed in the Old Testament through the Jewish people, they knew God's always wanted the nations to be a part of this. We just didn't see it the way that we see it now. So they knew God's word, and then they prayed and they waited. And while they didn't get a direct word from the Lord, with all those guys gathered, Peter, James, Paul, John, if they couldn't get a direct word of the Lord, that means sometimes you and I will not get a direct word from the Lord. And so what did they say? They said, seems good. <laughs> it seems good. It seems good to the Holy Spirit and it seems good to us. And I think this was a prompting. They're saying that we have this sense, a combination of knowing scripture, a combination of leaning into each other, a combination sometimes of just common sense. They said, it seems good. And there's going to be times in our lives where you're not going to know for sure, but it's going to seem good to you. And that's going to be the Holy Spirit prompting you. Sometimes we know, but sometimes we don't. <laughs> and so we pray, and we get the wisdom of others, and we wait for the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So here, I wrote down some things that I think we could be praying for ourselves when it comes to being prompted by the Holy Spirit. I just want to read these to you. Holy Spirit, prompt me to see the opportunities you are providing for me. Holy Spirit, prompt me when I am about to sin against you. Holy Spirit, prompt me to acts of kindness, to give when I don't want to. Holy Spirit, prompt me when to speak and prompt me when not to speak. Holy Spirit, prompt me to slow down and listen at times. Holy Spirit, prompt me to speed up and act at times. Holy Spirit, prompt me in my interactions with my family, my friends, my neighbors, my coworkers. Holy Spirit, prompt me when I'm in public to see the open doors that you are giving me for ministry. These are things that we can pray as we go throughout our day. Holy Spirit, I, I don't want to miss the way in which you're speaking to me through promptings. Now, two very important things about the Holy Spirit's promptings. You can't miss this. Number one, his promptings must line up with Scripture. Holy Spirit's not going to prompt you into sin, all right? So if you're like, I think the Holy Spirit told me to rob that bank and give 10% to the church, I'm telling you, it's not, we'll take the 10%, but I'm telling you, it's not, it's not, 
It's not the Holy Spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. And so that's a prompting. So you don't have to wonder, is the Holy Spirit prompting me to sin? No. So number one, the promptings have to be in line with the Scripture. That's why the order even in which we're talking about this morning matters. He speaks through Scripture. He speaks through promptings. Promptings are subjective, or um, not subjective, they are below Scripture. The second thing is that the promptings of the Holy Spirit will always lead you to live more like Jesus. So anytime you feel prompted to do something that lines up with Scripture and is going to help you live more like Jesus, just assume it's the Holy Spirit. You're not going to want to do that in your own flesh, in your own nature. It's the Holy Spirit who prompts us. All right, third way that the Holy Spirit speaks to us is through burdens that lead us to pray like Christ did. You ever have a burden on your heart that you just can't shake? Well, the Lord is giving you that. The Holy Spirit is giving you that to pray. In Ephesians, or in Colossians chapter 4, Paul is talking about Epaphras. He says, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you. And then this phrase, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. That phrase means burden. He has a burden in his heart for the people in Colossae that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Here we see this burden that God wants to give to us, the Holy Spirit wants to give to us, so that we, not so that we will worry, not so that we will grow anxious, not so that we will gossip, not so that we will talk to other people about it, but so that we will pray. The Holy Spirit speaks to us through burdens so that we will pray. Here's some different ways that the Holy Spirit, I think, gives us burdens. Sometimes it's just something that we see, something we read, something on the news. If you've been watching the news for the last few days, you should have a burden to pray for the country of Ukraine. You should be praying for those people for safety and for protection, that God in natural and supernatural ways would watch over the innocent, that God, you know, and when we have that burden to pray, often if I have a burden to pray for a situation like Ukraine, I'm looking into Scripture and saying, what's a good prayer in Scripture that I can pray? And there is a proverb that I read this week in my devotional time. I'm not going to get it perfectly right, but it says that the hearts of kings is like a stream in the hands of God that God controls even the hearts of leaders. And I began to pray even for Putin that God would control his heart, that God would direct his heart, this man who's made this wicked decision, but that God who is greater than the kings, who changed the hearts of Nebuchadnezzar and other kings throughout history would change even this man's heart, or at least sow enough confusion in his mind so that he would make a decision that would be for the good of the people of Ukraine. And so there are situations in which we need to pray for protection and for boldness and for strength. And so when, when we see these things as Christians... When we see nations at war, when we see issues of injustice in our society, in our world, the Holy Spirit wants to give you a, a burden that you can't shake so that you will partner with him in praying the very prayers that Jesus, our great intercessor, is praying right now for the people of Ukraine. And so he speaks to us sometimes through the news and things that we see. Sometimes a burden is something that randomly comes to mind and you've, you haven't thought about that person or that thing for years. There's no reason, natural reason why you should have thought of it and it comes to mind. That might be the Holy Spirit directing you to pray for that situation. Sometimes the Spirit might speak through a dream or through a vision. Sometimes people in the church have dreams and they send me their dreams and I'm not a dream interpreter, but I'll say, let's pray about it and let's pray and see if the Lord is saying something. Sometimes I was talking with a person in our church recently on the phone and he was telling me that he, gets, he wakes up in the middle of the night sometimes with the name of a person on his heart. And I said, that could be the Holy Spirit giving you a burden pray until you fall back asleep. Just pray for that person. And I've heard many stories of people who are woken up in the middle of the night to pray for someone only to find out later that at that exact time there was something going on in their life. So the Holy Spirit does this because he loves to direct us in prayer. 
And then sometimes I think the Holy Spirit gives us a burden by giving us a sort of an unusual level of attention or focus on something or someone that isn't really normal. And I remember in 2003, I was in the country of Cuba. We were there doing work in some local churches, and we had an evening service. And this is probably the only time this has happened to me in the entirety of my life following Jesus. The service was about to begin, and a Cuban man walked into the service, and I happened to see him. And for some reason, I could not stop watching him. And I, wasn't, I didn't have any weird feeling. I wasn't concerned about him. It was just like the Lord had drawn my heart to this man, and I could not look away. It was like the Holy Spirit was not going to release me from what he was asking me to do. And I realized that the Holy Spirit was asking me to share a word with this man. And so I went up during the service and asked the pastor, I feel like I have something to share with somebody in this church. I don't do this a lot. I don't know if I've ever done it before. And I said, I just feel like it, it, it and it was, of course, I, it needed to be translated into Spanish. And so I shared what I felt like the Lord had spoken to me for this man who I knew nothing about. I'd never met. And um, later on, the pastor was able to tell me it was such an accurate, confirming, necessary word, an encouraging word for this man, something along the lines of, like, it's time to get into the game. It's time to get off the sidelines. Get in the game. God has a work for you to do. And, and, but I had this burden in my heart that I couldn't explain or shake. And, and maybe the Lord will speak to you in that way. But whatever it is, the Holy Spirit wants to give us burdens so that we can pray like Jesus did. All right, the fourth way that the Holy Spirit speaks to us is by what we're doing this morning, gathering together. What the men did yesterday morning at Chick-fil-A, a ton of guys getting together and just having breakfast through community that leads us to embody Christ. I want you to see this passage in 1 Corinthians 3. Paul here is writing to the church in Corinth, who is about as dysfunctional of a church as you're ever going to imagine. And in verse 16 it says, Do you not know that you are God's temple? And that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Now, when I read that, my guess is the majority of us in this room thought of this word you as us individually, right? Because we're Americans, we kind of think that way. So as we're reading this, do you not know that you, I, am the God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells in me? And if anyone destroys me, God will destroy him. Good. For God's temple is holy, and I am that temple. But that's not what Paul is saying here. In the Greek, he's using the third person of the word you. So what he's saying is, do you all know that all of you together are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells in all of you together? If anyone destroys the people of God, the community, God will destroy him. For God's temple, his people, together are holy, and together we are that temple. Now that changes it a little bit, doesn't it? You begin to look at this a little bit differently because Paul is teaching us here that there's something sacred and special about being the people of God that God is violently for and violently against those who are against it. And I know that there's many people who say, I love Jesus, I'm not so sure about the church. And I get that, there's lots of baggage, lots of reasons, lots of issues, I get it. But I'm telling you that if you miss out on community, you're missing out on one of the most important ways that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. Because he speaks to us through each other. To help us not just know Jesus and live like Jesus and pray like Jesus, but to actually embody Jesus. You cannot become the body of Christ or the part of the body of Christ that God intends you to be on your own. We need each other. We need community. Pastor Tim Challies says this. He wrote this in a blog many years ago. Neglecting to meet with God's people is a sign of overwhelming and outrageous pride. Now, I know there's lots of reasons now, 
and for the last couple of years while people have been online and different, so we're not speaking about that, but just this unwillingness to submit to the formative process of gathering in a room of people that you didn't hand select. It cost us something, right? So neglecting to meet with God's people is a sign of overwhelming and outrageous pride. You have somehow determined either that the gifts God has given others are of no real consequence to you. In other words, there's nothing in this room that anyone else has that I need. Or you have determined that you are so gifted that you can happily survive without. Or that the body doesn't need your gift. The reality, of course, is that God has made Christians to thrive and survive only in community. And then he summarizes it with this sentence. Lone Christians are dead Christians. Isolated Christians are dead Christians. That's why at Trinity, we believe, you heard Leanne say this morning, our C3 journey, that there's a place for everyone here to come and see Jesus, number one. Come and see Jesus, be changed by a relationship with Christ. But number two, connect and be you. And we put those words together intentionally because I actually don't believe from Scripture that you can be the you that God created you to be outside of community. It's in connecting and meaningful relationships that we actually become the person that God intended us to be. So he speaks to us through community. And then lastly, he speaks to us through spiritual gifts that lead us to worship Christ. Now, spiritual gifts, probably the easiest way to explain this is what they're not. They're not natural gifts. There are many natural gifts that people have, whether it's with numbers or with a hammer or, or with art or with music. The spiritual gifts are not natural gifts. They're gifts that are given to us not by our natural ability, but by the Holy Spirit for the good of others and the glory of God. Spiritual gifts are always, they're never for my good and they're never for my glory. They're always for the good of others and for the glory of God. And some of the spiritual gifts that Paul writes about in Corinthians and other places are the gift of serving, the gift of teaching, encouraging other people is a spiritual gift, the gift of generosity, the gift of leadership, mercy, faith, healing, miracles. We sing about that this morning. Prophecy, tongues, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, having faith. Paul gives us these lists in the scriptures, but they're not, again, exhaustive or exclusive. Anything that the Spirit gives you to help encourage others, it's a spiritual gift. Some of you have the spiritual gift of listening. Some of you have the spiritual gift of kindness. Some of you have the spiritual gift of baking. God bless you. God bless you. Continue to use that gift as often as you can. I'm serious, though. Some of you have spiritual gifts that are used for the glory of God and the good of others that can strengthen the body. And Paul, writing about spiritual gifts, I'm going to have the band come up and join me. We're going to finish. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led away to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And what I want us to see from this passage is that there are different gifts, but it's all from the same God and for the same purpose to strengthen one another and to encourage each other. And so what does that look like when we gather on Sundays? Well, we believe that the Spirit is always speaking. So as you're listening to the Spirit, the question is not, are you speaking, Spirit?, but what are you saying, and are you saying it to me for me, or are you saying it to me for we? Is it something that we all need to hear? And another question you could ask is this, are you saying it to me for all of us, and is it for right now? And if you're ever not sure, and maybe you might even come before and after service and sense that the Spirit is saying something to you, 
Well, usually I'm sitting on this front row up here during the singing time, uh, or there will be a leader there or a pastor there. If you ever feel like the Spirit is giving you something that is for all of us to hear, you can always just come up and say, I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying something. Give me just a snapshot or, uh, of what you believe the Spirit is saying. And then what I prefer to do is to introduce you Come up and I'll come up and I'll say, someone believes that they've received something, a spiritual gift from the Lord to strengthen us in service. I want you to hear what they have to say and then hand them the mic. Now, the reasons that we do that is because, one, I think it helps everybody understand what's happening and what's about to happen. Two, we have an online audience that needs to hear it. And so by giving them the mic, the online audience can hear it. And then there's other purposes and reasons behind. But this is the way in which we most regularly are practicing and exercising the gifts. All of the gifts are necessary through all of the people. And so you may be a person who says, well, I never feel like God gives me anything to say in the service. That's okay, because your spiritual gift may be the gift of encouragement, and you just giving someone a hug or a smile in the lobby and asking them how they're doing, that might be your spiritual gift. Your spiritual gift might be leadership, and you're exercising it in your workplace. Spiritual gifts, the word spiritual, sometimes we think, well, it must happen in the church. And spiritual gifts should happen in every area of life. God wants to give you words of wisdom and words of knowledge and discernment and faith and leadership and mercy and a giving heart in your workplace and in your neighborhood so that you can exercise spiritual gifts, not just when we gather, but even when we scatter. Now, I want to finish by sharing with you uh, one way in which the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me recently through all five of these ways. Scripture, promptings, burdens, community, and then spiritual gifts. You know, the Lord, in the, in the scriptures, there's so much said about marriage. God is the designer. He's the definer. Marriage was not a human idea. Marriage was a God idea. And throughout the New Testament, Paul and Peter, they teach so much about marriage and the importance of having healthy, Jesus-centered marriages. So scripture speaks about marriage. But I've had a prompting for the last couple of years in my heart that we need to, as a church, lean into this more. We need to strengthen our marriages for those who are preparing for marriage, for those who are married, for those who hope to be married. We need to strengthen marriages because if the enemy attacks our marriages, he tears apart our homes, he tears apart our lives, he tears apart the church. And then I've had this burden to begin to pray for couples that God would protect their homes, that they would love one another, that they would embrace the truth of God's scripture. And then in community for the last few years, talking with people about their struggles, their ups and their downs through their own marriages, it became so evident to me. So four ways the Spirit has been speaking to me for two years about marriages and how we need to be more intentional about strengthening them. And then just about a month ago, Jeannie Praxel, who many of you would know, the, she called me up and she said, the Lord has given me a word and I don't know when, you know, I'm, I'm looking to share this with the church. And she told me what it was and I said, oh, that's the fifth piece. The Spirit is speaking. So actually, before we sing, I want to ask Jeannie. She's right there. She has the microphone. She's going to share what the Lord has been speaking to her. And this was a final sort of confirmation for me uh, about something that we're doing in our church this year for marriages. Jeannie, would you please share what the Lord has shared with you? The Lord woke me in the middle of the night with a concern for families, for homes, and for marriages. For none of that is as he designed he spoke to me. He said, a home that's divided against itself will fall. And he asked me to pose a question to the church. Are you the foolish man who is building your home on sand? And when the storms come against it, when the trials come, you don't know what to do. And it causes cracks in the foundation of your home where Satan will enter in and use them to bring your home down. These fractures could be pride, 
resentment, jealousy, anger. It could be many things, but the enemy will use it to bring your marriage down, to bring your home down, to part families. Or are you the wise man that builds it on the rock? The rock is me, says the Lord. And if you will pray together as a family or together as a couple, if you will study my word and practice my word, if you will find a church to fellowship, all of these will put a sure stone in that foundation and your marriage will stay and it will remain. So the Lord's message to you this morning is build your home on the rock, that rock being me, says the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, God. Mm. So when she shared that with me, and that's the first time I've heard the full word, but when she shared it with me, it just became this confirmation of things that the Holy Spirit was already speaking to me. That's why we've announced that we're going to be doing these marriage mornings in April, May, and June. The first Saturday morning of every month from 9 to 10, there will be child care provided from 6th grade and under. And we just want to, for an hour on those Saturday mornings, teach, train, pray, pour into the marriages in our church. This might even be something that you can invite friends to who are married, who are looking for something for, to strengthen their marriage. But when the Holy Spirit speaks, listen, it's okay to pray, Holy Spirit, speak. It's better to pray, Holy Spirit, help me to listen, because he's already speaking. It's best to pray, Holy Spirit, help me to listen and obey. And so that's the prayer that the Holy Spirit would speak to us. Let's stand together this morning. We're going to sing this song about being available. And as we sing it, let's think of this idea of being available for the Holy Spirit to speak to us.